0: Welcome to the CVA Grain Exchange Podcast. This is your host, Luke Beckman, Grain Sales Manager for Central Valley Ag. During this podcast, we dissect the latest USDA updates and discuss other key market features. Every month, you will hear from different members of the CVA Grain Team on what trends we are seeing in the marketplace and solutions to current marketing challenges. Welcome back, everybody. Episode number two of the CVA Grain Exchange. We're here following the June S&D report today, typically not a real barn burner, the June S&D, and today didn't deviate from that too much. Excited to bring on our guest here uh, as we kick off the second episode of the CVA Grain Exchange. That's going to be Russ Thede. Russ is a grain specialist for CVA over at the Oakland East Hub. I've been with CVA for a number of years and uh, just excited to bring his knowledge, his experience onto today's episode. Russ, welcome to the CVA Grain Exchange.
1: Thank you, glad to be here, Luke. Russ,
0: why don't you start off, give us a little background about where you're from, what you've been doing.
1: I was born and raised on a family farm at Palmer, Nebraska. Um, After that, I went to college, received a degree in agribusiness, went back to the farm for a short time, for about eight years, left there in the early eighties with the farm crisis that developed at that time. Uh, moved to Wayne, Nebraska, and managed a 1,400-style hog confinement for 13 years. After that, one of the members of that unit was also a private owner of part of an elevator at Wisner, Nebraska, called Hilltop Feed and Grain. They had an opening for a manager there. I accepted that position and was there for 10 years. Uh, at that, In 2009, CVA was starting a new program called ProEdge, and we're looking for team members. Approached me about that and decided to make the change to CVA in 2009, have been here ever since.
0: So you've really been embedded in that Eastern Nebraska territory, Russ, for some time between Hilltop Grain, ADM, and and now CVA. Really gives you a lot of different uh, experiences to draw from, but why CVA? What makes CBA attractive for the employee and the customer?
1: As an employee, uh, the attractiveness that really brought me was the team attitude. The team members, we, everyone cares about each other. In this, it's not a very business oriented. It's more social oriented. Um, you know. The, also, it goes all the way to the top. The leaders are very interested in what each member of CBA is doing, and even on a personal level. Uh, it is a farmer-owned co-op, so we are actually working for our owners as CBA employees. Um, and that was a, one of the things that really attracted me to CBA when I came over. Yeah,
0: that cooperative ownership model, Russ, is, is hard to beat. And you think about what's going on in our world now, the, the opportunity to keep our business dollars local, uh, is huge. And CBA is a, a large enough company that you usually don't see that as size gets bigger, but we are that locally owned cooperative and employ a lot of local people. And those dollars do stay here. So uh, it's a good and easy mission to get behind. And you're a perfect example of that here with CBA. So uh, a lot of experience here with Russ. So let's get into picking his brain a little bit with the June Wazdy, Russ. And boy, I know you were you were expecting this to be a barn burner and that might be a little bit tongue in cheek here, but today's numbers, a bit of a yawner. Um, the June S and D typically does not hold a lot of surprises. You know, we're just coming off of the May supply and demand report, which is the first time we see the new crop balance sheets. Uh, but it's also between that and the June 30th reports, which is where we see the stocks numbers. And then we also get that big planted acreage report. So, um, kind of buying time here as we uh, cross you know, the middle of June. But today's numbers, corn, we did see some slight crop revisions as they resurveyed some of the northern states. You remember we had some crop in the fields uh, through this winter and spring in some of the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin. So we lost about 50 million bushels, uh, a short 50 million bushels in production on corn. Uh, the USDA offset that with a 50 million bushel reduction to ethanol usage Which was largely expected with everything that's going on with COVID. Um, So, overall, the carryout went ahead and grew by just 5 million bushels. No changes to the new crop balance sheet whatsoever. That 5 million bushel increase basically carried all the way through. We've got 2021 carryout at 3.3 billion bushels uh, ahead of this June 30th report. So, Russ, looking at that on the corn side, what were your takeaways today?
1: As you mentioned, I also agree it was a very neutral report. There was not a lot of changes made, which is historically what USDA does with this June report. Uh, Takeaways, yeah, the, the ending stocks on corn up 5 million bushel. I think that was probably, since it is not a negative number, was probably okay with the market. You saw the board go up 3 cents today, which I think was a win for the corn market. Uh, beans down 10 million bushel on the ending stocks, world ending stocks down 2.1 million metric tons. I think going forward, that's probably going to be a positive for the bean market.
0: You bet. And as we think about, you know, corn specifically, just we had that higher day today, just as you kind of think about where we are today versus the end of June, uh, what does today's report mean for price direction here the next three weeks?
1: I think it's probably going to stay in the range that it's been in for the last six to eight weeks, about a 10 cent range. Uh, Historically, if you look at charts, uh, and I've been in this for 20 some years, normally the 1st of July, 4th of July weekend, historically the corn market, both old and new crop kind of turn over. The pollination for corn is pretty much complete nationwide, and that's normally when the corn market starts headed lower.
0: Well, Russ, you're really putting kind of a deadline on on your marketing plan, then, the way it sounds, and if that's the case, where should producers be making sales on corn here?
1: I think if for the old crop corn, using off the July board, if we could get that July board in that 340 to 45 range, I think a sale needs to be made there. Uh, new crop corn off the December 20 board. The board's currently at 343, 344. If you can get to 355, 65 range, I would certainly be making a sale there. And even looking at the 21 crop, it's never too early to go out that far. Uh, boards at 374, a 385 to 390 range for a first sale would probably be a good place to start there. Now, Russ, I've got a
0: really difficult question for you here, and I can't argue with your numbers, but you kind of gave us a deadline with July 4th. So tell me, what if we don't hit your targets that you just gave us by the 4th of July, then what?
1: I think I would probably still make some kind of a sale there, possibly an HTA sale for new crop corn. Um, you, once the position is on, an HTA position is on, then there's a lot of things that CBA can do to manage that position and increase the value of that position before harvest or after harvest if you have on-farm storage to roll it ahead and enhance the value of that contract.
0: Yeah, Russ, and you you mentioned a, an HTA, a hedge to arrive, uh, is, is what Russ is referring to. Um, just a simple hedge. Futures are, are locked up. Your basis is open. Uh, you've got flexibility on where that grain can go and when it can move. Uh, probably one of the more popular contracts we do here uh, within CBA. So good information there on, on corn, Russ. Let's take a look at beans. And I know you gave us a little sneak peek there. USDA today on the soybean side, uh, again, we did see a very small Production cut uh, with the resurvey down 5 million bushels is all. Um, we did see USDA acknowledge you know a strong crush pace. Crush margins have been weak lately, but overall, uh, crush demand for this year has really been a positive. Up 15 million today. And then, of course, exports have been the other side of that coin. Disappointing. Uh, we did see... Uh, bean exports cut twenty five million today, which was largely expected. Overall ending stocks on beans go up five million bushels, stocks to use at fifteen percent. And so we flip that over to the twenty twenty one crop year and uh, we did see uh, crush demand go up fifteen million there as well. Um, we carry in the the five million uh, that we added from the old crop. Overall, we end up cutting uh, the twenty twenty one carry out down to 395. So below 400 million bushels, Russ, and, you know, that feels good just seeing that on paper, stocks to use at 9%. You know, what were your takeaways on the soybeans?
1: I agree with that. Um, You know, the the beans, I have more, uh, I guess, friendly attitude toward the beans going forward. You know, China is coming in and making some buys here in the last two to three weeks, which was partly to help fulfill their phase one commitment but also the carry out, you know, dropping into that 400 range. You know, if you remember a year ago, we were looking at 800 range. So I think beans do have a very good story going forward. Um, worldwide also, a 2.1 million metric ton cut worldwide, that, that could create some opportunity going forward.
0: Well, I certainly like the fundamental inputs. What do you think we see for price direction here the next three to four weeks?
1: I would continue to look to, you know, own the beans. I would carry them, as we mentioned earlier, till that 4th of July, 10th of July timeframe. Again, going back to historical charts, that is normally when that bean market kind of turns over. Beans are much more a weather-driven market getting late into the summer in the August time period. But historically, by the 15th of July, nationwide, you're going to know what the bean market or the bean crop is going to look like. Probably with way it looks right now with the good to excellent ratings, as many acres as is planted, is probably going to turn over sometime in that period and start headed lower.
0: Well, Russ, you just touched on it. You talked about acres, and I haven't gotten gotten your thoughts here, but uh, June 30th, what do we see for corn? The USDA has us at, you know, ninety-seven million planted acres on corn. That's from the March planting intentions, and then we have beans at 835. Which direction? Are those moving in your opinion the end of this month?
1: I think with the uh, prevent planted acres that are going to go in the, the, into the Dakotas a lot of wet flooded out areas up there I would guess the acres on corn will probably drop to the 95 8 million acre range. Beans I think are probably going to go higher and I would guess them closer to the 85 million acre range.
0: I can't argue with you. There certainly some gyrations that need to happen yet with the balance sheets. So uh, that kind of lines up with pollination rust, which usually makes the end of June, early July kind of a volatile time period. Boy, with as quiet as these markets have been, I think we would welcome a little bit of volatility as, as long as we get some chances higher. Let's wrap up the beans with this question. Where should producers make sales in your opinion?
1: For old crop beans that are still either in storage on farm or in the elevator, maybe on DP, I would look for probably an 870 to 880 off the July board. And we are very get, getting very close to that right now. We closed today at 866. For new crop beans using the November 20 board, we closed today at 876. Uh, I really think we have a shot at nine dollars, but that's going to be a huge resistant point. If, if so, the eight ninety to nine dollar range on new crop would be a great place to put an HTA in. I think.
0: Well, very good, Russ. Let's transition a little bit. I want to hit on just a topic that you're pretty passionate about, but we've heard you mention it a few times. Just with the Fourth of July, with with summer, midsummer being that turning point in the grain markets. Why is the calendar so important in grain marketing?
1: Calendar is very important. Um, As we discussed earlier, the the, the 4th of July weekend, normally the pollination is done nationwide and you have a pretty good idea how big the crop is gonna be this fall. The way the market looks right now, with the extra acres, uh, the perfect conditions, planting conditions in most areas, we could easily have a 15 and a half to 16 bushel billion bushel corn crop, and that is going to be way pretty heavy on the market, I'm feeling. So watch the calendar. Normally, I would like to have, and again, this is my recommendations to the clients that I work with. I like to have at least a third of their crop new crop sold by Planning Intentions report, which comes out the last day of March. After that, look to make some sales and get to at least 50% sold by that July 4th weekend. Again, every year is different. Every situation is different. Every farm is different. There are years when we may be 70 or 80% sold before that July 4th weekend. Some years we won't. It kind of depends on what the market dictates to us and what we should do from there.
0: Based on this year and the opportunities we've had, for us, where would you say, are we ahead of pace, behind pace, and being
1: uh, sold up for new crop? For my clients, I think we're pretty much on pace. If anything, maybe a little bit behind. We didn't get the chance early in the year to get some HTA offers filled that were put in at $4 or a little better on new crop. Never got filled. They've been uh, trending lower ever since, so we didn't get those, but we did increase the a uh, bushel sold on some of the NT contracts that CVA offers, the averaging contract, the grain advisor contract, and so on. So most of my guys are in that 50 to 70% sold for new crop right now.
0: Well, I'm sure they're not upset about that, Russ, with everything that's going on. And I've got, you know, I've got a question, and it probably ties into some of these guys you're working with, but in your years of experience, what have you observed the best grain marketers doing consistently?
1: That word consistently is exactly what we need here. You do the same thing every year. You make the same sales every year. But you also have to have enough flexibility that when you see an opportunity to sell at a profit, depending on what your break even is, you need to take that. You need to take some money. Uh, there's always, as I said earlier, if you get the position on, there's always ways to enhance the the value of that position later on, but you can't do anything with it until you make that sale.
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll definitely need to get something established to, to create that. And I like your comment there about being consistent year in and year out. Uh, over the course of time, your strategy is going to play out pretty well, you know, as long as you don't second guess yourself. Uh, how can a CVA grain specialist help in that capacity? Russ, what are the benefits of working with a CVA grain specialist?
1: Uh, The benefits are huge. You know, they can come to your farm. They can help you establish a break-even for your farm. As I said, each farm is an individual. Each farm is different. Each break-even is going to be different. But a CVA grain specialist can help you develop a break-even, and from there can help you develop a marketing plan, uh, develop a plan according to when your money flow needs are, if you need money for um rent in the spring and so on we can time sales accordingly uh, there's just a myriad of different contracts that CVA offers that a lot of other companies don't offer and they all can work together in a marketing plan to help the farmer to lessen the stress uh, take away the anxiety of marketing his grain yeah that
0: personal connection is important Russ you know uh, folks like you you know uh, with different experiences that are local that can help producers uh, really put a plan together that works for you to manage that risk, to create consistency year in and year out. You know, discipline is something that's hard in grain marketing, making sure that we're pulling the trigger uh, and getting sales established pre-harvest that typically produces the best results. So you can certainly find that at CVA by working with uh, our team, cvacoop.com. You can find uh, who those individuals are across the company. All right, Russ, good stuff here today. I'm liking uh, what you're sharing with our group. Uh, let's, let's bring this plane down for landing. Uh, and I just want to look ahead, you know, Russ, what are the three biggest things producers need to be watching leading up to June 30th?
1: You know, marketing green in this environment over the last couple of years, there's a lot of outside influences on the market. The fund position currently is about 280000 short in the corn market. So if you watch that position and see what the funds are thinking, that has a big influence on it. In the environment that we're looking at, you have to get into the market early. You have to make some sales early. Uh, Looking at right now, we are really pushing for the d 21 corn crop. You know, we're 30 cents above where we are for the d 20 crop. We're getting close to making some sales there. We're at 374. I would certainly make a sale at $4. And don't even be afraid to go out to the 22 crop. Probably a little early, but if you know what your break even is, you can establish a position there and we can manage that position again to increase the value of it when the time is over. Another influence I think would be the energy markets, the crude oil market, which has taken a beating over the last six months with the Corona scare and the lack of ethanol use, lack of gasoline use, you have to watch that energy market, the crude oil price, the ethanol use, which is starting to come back now over the last couple of weeks. And you can also see that in the corn market has started to come back a little bit in the last week or two. Another influence I think is the U.S. dollar uh, in relation to exports. As the U.S. dollar got higher, which it had been, It was harder for the U.S. to make sales to export countries, China, wherever, versus the South American real or the Argentine peso, because they were so much cheaper. Whoever was buying this grain could get more grain for their money by going to those foreign countries. That being said, in the last couple of weeks, the dollar has started to come down, and yet that is reflected in our export pace. As you can see, we have picked up our exports. One more thing I'm going to mention here is the political landscape right now. The geopolitical parties that are involved in this, basically U.S. and China, have a huge influence on the grain market right now.
0: Yeah, and if you could, we'll maybe get another hour or so set up with you, Russ. We'd like to get your full thoughts on the uh, U.S. political system and how it impacts the price of grain. So uh, you just let us know how we can get a hold of you and we'll have that full length discussion. Well, Russ, I've really appreciated your time here today. A lot of good insight about uh, the June numbers and probably more importantly, you've really laid it out there. We've got an important stretch here the next three to four weeks as we hit kind of that turning point in the calendar as you've, as you've kind of coined it. So uh, for uh, Russ and myself, that's going to do it for today. Uh, we're going to bring episode number two to a close. Stay safe out there as we spray and fertilize this crop. And we're going to be back uh, looking at the June 30th numbers here in just a few weeks. Thanks for listening to the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay up to date on all things CVA grain by signing up for our grain emails at cvacoop.com grain or follow us on social media at Central Valley Ag on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Tune in next month. And until then, stay safe.